Welcome everyone. I have wonderful news to share with you. Baruch Hashem, Besiyata Deshmaya. We were just we were Zoicha to just now, just moments ago, to go to print on a brand new sefer. The sefer is in English. The name of the sefer, the name of the book, is The Light and the Splendor, which speaks about the Yamtif of Chanukah. But before I begin, I want to thank our very wonderful host. First I want to thank Chazak for hosting tonight's event. And I want to thank my very, very dear and tire friend, Rabbi Newman of Chickens for Shabbos, for sponsoring tonight's shir. Chickens for Shabbos is an incredible organization. They, they, it's an organization that just feeds Jews. That's all they do. It feeds our brothers and sisters, and especially it feeds Malamdim. It feeds Rabbeim, because without Rabbeim, there's no Klal Yisrael. So basically, they're Mefarnes Klal Yisrael. They're supporting Klal Yisrael. And they support women who are divorced or agunos or in general they, they support Yidin who really, really need it. So if anybody could uh, give of themselves to try to help out this very wonderful institution, Chickens for Shabbos, then it would be a, a great merit for you in the up, for the upcoming days of Hanukkah and for your families, Abiyasko El Tzedek. So I want to speak a little bit about this uh, Sefer, <clears throat> The Light and the Splendor. So first, thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving me the opportunity to be able to put many of the shiurim that have been available to the tzibor, whether on Torah anytime or various venues, into the written word. Um, what a great tzchus it is to be able to share Torah with other yidin. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rumispalel, should continue to give us this tzchus, um, in good health, and we should always be able to share Torah together. Now I want to thank a very dear friend of mine, Rav Chaim Moller, Dr. Chaim Moller, a renowned cardiologist who really created the manuscript of this work, listening to the shiurim and putting the ideas onto paper. And uh, Rav Chaim is uh, extremely busy uh, with his in, in the medical field, and yet somehow he's able to carve out so much time which is required to, to put together a book like this it really requires so many hours you would have expected only somebody who is fully dedicated but Reb Chaim was able to create the manuscript from which is the backbone of the light and the splendor and we have a wonderful team of editors at our scroll read by uh, led by Mrs. Felice uh, Eisner and others so we thank everybody for their participation in bringing this to the light of day. I would like to especially thank two very dear Haverim who are instrumental in disseminating a lot of the shiurim and a lot of the uh, uh, lectures. And first I want to thank my good friend Rabbi Aaron Subar of Muncie for faithfully sending out the emails and people have questions regarding the material or the source material or in general and Rabbi Aaron fields that faithfully every single day for many years and he's really amassed um, many additional listeners and followers through his uh, messages. And I also want to thank my dear friend, Rabbi Gedalia Schwartz, also who has really uh, enhanced and expanded the viewership and readership of the material. Rabbi Gedalia is in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, <coughs> and um, he's created many WhatsApp groups that really have expanded the viewership internationally. So. I want to be mavarich, my dear friends, that Rebbe should continue to give them good health 
and happiness and parnasa Arbias Goyal Tzedek. Now, uh, the book sort of opens up in the introduction and in the acknowledgments with a, a question that is raised by Reb Chaim Falaji. What is more valuable? Is it more valuable to give a shir to the rabbim, or perhaps it's more valuable to write a sefer? And Reb Chaim Falaji says, actually, the influence of a sefer is greater than a shir, because uh, a shir, you're limited to the audience in front of you. So if you live in uh, Istanbul, like Reb Chaim Falaji did, and you give a shir, so that's where the shir begins, and that's where the shir ends. But if you write a sefer, a sfarim, were disseminated across the globe, and therefore, says Reb Chaim Falaji, because of the greater dissemination, and because of the fact that a sefer could continue to influence even after the demise of the author, it is more chashuv to write a sefer than to give a shir. But one may ask, in our times, uh, one could give a shir, it could be recorded, it could be disseminated to the ends of the world in a split second. I want to give a shout out to my dear friend Rab Rakem of Northeast India, one of the Bnei Manasha, who already has the light and the splendor. That's right. Even though many of the listeners don't have it, Rakem in Northeast India, he has it already. So nowadays, perhaps, the advantage should go to the Shir over the Svarim. Well, maybe you could say, look, on Shabbos, though, you can't uh, listen to a Shir. You can only read the Svarim. And, and there is something about a Sefer. It's Oisiois Machkimois. Letters uh, make a person wise. But the truth is, you know, uh, like it says in Koheles, um, it says, Meaning, do this and don't slacken from this. You try to do as much as you can, whatever the Yuban Shalom is mezake us. And Rav Moshe in the Dibrois Moshe, Masech Babakama, discusses the concept that is enunciated in Masech Erevin, the Dafyomi is finishing Erevin now, about the Bnei Yehuda who are Megalia Masech The Bnei Yehuda revealed their Masech meaning they were... They went to great lengths to be Marbet's Torah as much as possible. And Rav Moshe says that even though he personally is Marbet's Torah through his Shiurim, but nevertheless, through the written word, you're able to reach that one extra person. And if you have that ability and you have that capacity, you need to do so because the Gemara says, one who is Megala Mesechta, Miskaima Biyadai, Tamudai Miskaima Biyadai. His learning will be sustained and upheld. So we also, we hope that we could be zoiche in some small, modest way to the bracha of Galia Masechta, that through this sefer we hope that uh, Yidin enjoy it and are able to learn from it. And the Imkain, then v'zeh yatsa schari mikala moli, this will be um, very gratifying. So again, thank you to all who have made it possible, and may the Rebbe Hashem bless everyone with only besurais taivais. So let me begin. <clears throat> by maybe speaking about the name of the book a little bit. I could just imagine, people want to know, you know, the first Sefer is called The Mystery and the Majesty. So, you know, you're going to have to have a name with a da da and the da you know, something like that. It has to rhyme, it has to be an alliteration. So, first I thought the light and the legacy, and I'll give you some of the behind-the-scenes no, that was uh, that was nixed because what does legacy mean in under these uh, in this context? It, it was not thought that legacy would be a meaningful word used in this context. And ultimately, here is how we came to the light 
and the splendor. Well, light is not a uh, light is obvious, you know, it's not rocket science. What light has to do with Hanukkah? But let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the splendor, if we may. The famous Beis Yosef. Now, um, I do want to share with you that we already found one little error. So, if you're reading uh, the footnotes on the introduction, the Beis Yosef, of course, is in Simon Tafresh Ayin. Somehow that got, uh, there's a mistake in that. It says it's in a different sif. But the good news is, after you buy the, the Light and the Splendor, you have to buy another volume, which is updated and corrected. Obviously, you know how it works. But uh, the Beis Yosef is in Tafresh Ayin, but all kidding aside, the most famous question in Judaism is the question of the Beis Yosef. Uh, you know, famously, there's a Sefer, Ner Lamea, that offers a hundred answers to the Beis Yosef's question. And I was in Lakewood about a year ago, and I saw a safer there with 500 answers to the Beis Yosef's question. And of course the question is, they found enough oil to last for one night. Miraculously, it lasted for eight. So let's think for a moment. Why would we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days if the miracle was only seven days? They had enough for the first day, and the miracle was only seven days. We should only celebrate Hanukkah for seven days. So there is a very famous answer given by the Altar of Kelm. And the Altar of Kelm cites a story in Masech Tainis about the daughter of Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa, who they were very poor and they could not afford uh, fuel for their Shabbos candles. And the daughter of Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa accidentally lit vinegar. And it burned. And she went and he told her father. And she was very upset because... She was matriach. She seemed to have bothered God to cause her vinegar to burn. And famously, Reb Chanina ben Doisa said, Misha yoimar l'shemen sheyadlik, yoimar l'chomet sheyadlik. The one who said that oil should burn, he should say vinegar should burn. The lesson is obvious, that we take it for granted. We're used to the fact that oil burns, but if we would try to break it down to the depth of the science, it cannot really be explained exactly how oil burns. That's a process we're used to, but we can't explain it. It is, in a way, a supernatural process. So says the author of Kelm, seven days of Hanukkah to celebrate the miracle that the oil, which did not have enough oil to burn for eight days, burnt another seven days. But never take for granted the mere fact that oil burns, that itself is a miracle. We can never take for granted the natural processes. So in honor of my friend Robbie Newman, who's sponsoring tonight's shir, who I know is a big student of Rabbi Victor Miller, so I'm going to share with you, you know, there's uh, something Rabbi Miller would say and uh, something we should always bear in mind. You know, there's so many natural processes that we, we completely take for granted. I remember very clearly when I was a bacher, I had the Hashem gave me a little good sense, and when I was 20 years old, for three years, I had this chus to walk to Rabbi Victor Miller from Avenue M and East 31st to his shul on Ocean Parkway. I was like to speak with him. I was like to see him. I was like to ask him questions. And he said many times, water, you know what kind of great miracle water is? You have, if you're thirsty, so what are you going to do? Imagine trying to take some hydrogen to quench your thirst. Hydrogen is not going to do anything for you. Imagine if you're thirsty and you take oxygen. 
that's also not going to do anything for you. If you're stuck in the Sahara Desert, and with just hydrogen and oxygen, you ain't going to make it. But the Rebani Shloilam, the master chemist, he takes two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen, and he fuses it together to make H2O, and you drink it, and it's mamish geshmak. Baruch ata adoinoi Eloiheinu melech o'elam shehakoyol nihiyabidvaroi. Wow, how delicious. There's nothing more delicious than water. But let's even say more than that. You know, water starts off in the ocean. In the ocean? Imagine if someone is in th was thirsty and was a sailor. Sailors would die at sea because you can't drink the seawater. It's too salty. The expression went, you know, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink, not an ounce to drink. So what does God do? He takes this big circle of fire that's 93 million miles away from planet Earth. And He shines the fire on the ocean. And this fire called the sun heats up the ocean water, evaporates the ocean water. Then the Rebbe Hashem does another miracle. The water vapor from the ocean is lighter than the air and it rises up, it rises up, it rises up. And it forms something called clouds. Okay, what good is a cloud going to do over the ocean? So Hashem made a big fan. And Hashem blows and blows and blows. It's called the wind. And the wind takes the clouds over the dry land. And the water falls down. And when the water falls, you could catch it in your cup. The water is sweet. Vayimtiku hamoyim. The water is sweet. You thought it was a miracle when Moshe Rabbeinu took a stick of a stick and he put it into the sea and it turned sweet. Ah, that's not a miracle. You know what a miracle is? Regular drinking water. Moshe made a sun. He created evaporation. He made wind. He was able to fuse together two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen, to produce water. That is a great miracle. You think it's only a miracle when oil that's supposed to last for one day lasts for eight days? It's a miracle that oil burns in the first place. So therefore, says the altar of Kelm, says Rav Moshe Feinstein in the Darash Moshe, seven days for the miraculous nature of the oil and one day for the natural process of the oil. In fact, Rav Moshe says, if you look in the al Hanisim. It doesn't say anywhere, anything, that they found enough oil to last for one day and it lasted for eight days. It just says they lit candles, they lit neiroys. You know why, says Ramosha? The Iker miracle is not that it lasted another seven, day, seven days. It's through the open miracle. They came to recognize that Hidliku neiroys, lighting the candle itself, is a miracle. Okay? So that is the answer. In fact, Rav David Koyin, or Shiva of Hebron, says that's why in the uh, in the Ma'ayis um, Tzor, I want to be the first to sing Ma'ayis Tzor to you. It's Beis Kislev, but we got to get going already. B'nai, that's in the Yavanim. We say B'nai Vina Yemesh Mayna Kavushir Urinanim. B'nai Vina, sons of understanding, Yemesh Mayna Kavushir Urinanim. They established eight days. Why do we say that the Chashmonam who established Hanukkah are B'nai Bina, men of understanding? What Bina was required for them to establish Hanukkah? Well, says Rav David Kain, it 
it required great bina because the miracle of Hanukkah, the Yom Tif of Hanukkah, is through the hidden, through the open miracle of the seven days, they came to be makir and recognize the absolute miracle of nature, of the first day. So they needed bina. Bina means lahavin davar mitach davar. From the open miracle that the oil lasts an extra seven days, they came to realize it sunk into their head that the first day was also a miracle. That was Bina. That's why they're called B'nai Bina. Yemei Shmoina Kavushir Urinanim. But here's my question. I have to share with you, honestly, I was always bothered by uh, this answer. You know I was bothered by this answer? Because then you should tack on an extra day of Yom Tif to, uh, to every single day. You know, why don't we say Pesach is seven days because God killed the firstborn and God split the sea and let's tack on another day of Pesach for the miracle of water in general. Or, you know, we have Purim. One day is for the miracle that God saved our life and let's have two days because there's an, another day of Purim because the heart beats. I mean, once you're making a Yom Tif for the, for the natural processes, which indeed are miraculous, we're not questioning that. Of course, the Ramban's f- uh, most well-known words, Min ha-nisim ha-mefursamim adam moidim shehakol nisim nistarim. The Ramban writes that from the open miracles, we come to recognize that everything is hidden miracle. So there is no question that nature is miraculous. The question is, why tack it on to Hanukkah? Isn't that... Doesn't that bother you? Is this really a good answer? Oh, you know, I had it goes eight days, seven days for the miracle part, and one day for the miracle of oil burning. I mean, you could add on uh, an extra day of Yom Tif to any Yom Tif that way. So I want to share with you uh, the approach that we bring in the introduction. And I saw this in the Sefer Yemei Chanukah of Rav David Kain, Rashib of Hebron. And he bases this on a, uh, an idea which is taught by the Holy Malbim. The Malbim in many places, in Chumash, in his Sefer HaKarmel, he t- teaches us that there's a difference in Lashon HaKodesh between the words Hoid and the words Hadar. Many Achroinim say that in Tanakh, there is something called Shemois Hanerdafim, synonyms. Two words that basically have the same meaning, and it's just stylistic. For example, Chazak ve'ematz, or other examples of words that perhaps uh, mean the same thing. And the Malbum vehemently argues that there is no such thing as Shemois Hanardafim. There are no synonyms in Hebrew. Every single word has its own nuance of difference of meaning. And one example that the Malbum explains in a number of places is the word Hoid and the word Hadar. The word Hadar, says the Malbum, refers to external beauty. Pre-Aids Hadar. Hadar refers to the shape of the esrog, the form of the esrog, the color of the esrog. It's beautiful externally. Or we find the example, Beroiv Am, Hadras Melech. With many people, it brings external beauty to the king. But there's a word called Hoid. Hoid, says the Malbum, Benasatcha me Hoidcha Allah. Hoid does not refer to external beauty. Hoid is what is called Ziv Pnimi. Inner splendor, inner shine. And these are not just two words that have different connotation, but there are difference in attitude and in a worldview. 
The Yavanim were a people of Hadar, and we, the Jewish people, are a people of Hoid. The Yavanim believed in external beauty, body sculpting, body building, muscle form. The Yavanim believed that you could tell the character of a person by how they look. If they're beautiful, if they're handsome, they're worthwhile. If they're ugly, if they're not appealing, then the person does not have worth. But we don't judge things that way. We are not a people of Hadar. We are a people of Hoid. Sometimes you can have someone who perhaps objectively is not the most beautiful or handsome individual. However, they have an inner glow. They have Chachma. They have wisdom. They have humility. They have Midois Toibois. And that good character and that internal shine and splendor makes it that when you see them, you see grandeur, you see the Shechina. It's not because of their objective form or objective looks, it's because there's some inner quality that transcends the phys- their physical makeup. The Jewish people are a people of Hoid, the Yavanim are a people of Hadar. It's interesting, we know that one of the Kabbalistic teachings based on a Gemara and Chagiga and really the Sefer Toimer Devaira is very much based on this, is the um, ten spheroids. Interestingly, one of the spheroids is Hoid. Hoid is the eighth sphera. The Chidah says that Chanukah is the Yom Tif of Hoid. That's why Chanukah says that the, the uh, Chidah is eight days, because somehow Chanukah rectifies the Midah of Hoid. Chanukah is the Yom Tif of internal beauty. But let's take this a little bit deeper. In a word, world of Hadar, in a world of external beauty, you only see the processes that are recognized and measured by the eye and the human brain. So you see evaporation, condensation, digestion, and it could be predicted, it could be measured, it could be tallied. And that was Yavan's view of the world. They were a people of science. They recognized the arts. They recognized all processes that are measurable, that are calculable, that that you could see and tally and measure. They valued external beauty and therefore they valued nature. Nature, so to speak, is the hadar of the world, the external facade of the world. But we the Jewish people believe that behind nature, behind condensation and digestion and evaporation and behind the process that oil burns is the same Yad Hashem, the same miraculous hand of God that performs open miracles of splitting the sea and taking us out of Egypt and even allowing oil to burn an extra seven days. The extra seven days is the obvious overt external beauty of the Miracle, but the inner working of nature, nature itself is Hadar, but the inner working of nature is the Yad Hashem, the inner splendor, the Hoid of nature. The Hoid of nature, the inner splendor of nature is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The purpose of obvious miracles, the whole function of it, is to be able to detect that the hidden miracle, nature, is as miraculous, is just as miraculous. The avoida of a Jew and the avoida of Hanukkah is to counteract the Yavanim. The Yavanim only believe in what they see and what they could measure. The external beauty of the world 
and the natural processes of the world. The entire objective of Hanukkah is to pull away the veil of Hadar and to see that behind the external beauty is the internal splendor of the world and the internal splendor of Teva is the Yad Hashem, as Ramban writes from the open miracles, we come to recognize that everything is the hidden hand of Hashem. So the whole objective of Hanukkah is to pull away the veil and see it is ha- God's hand behind all the natural processes. So we're not just tacking on one extra day to Hanukkah. Oh, by the way, once we have seven days for the open miracle, why don't we just tack on an extra day to recognize that The fact that oil burns itself is a miracle. No, that is the function of Hanukkah. That's the purpose of Hanukkah, which is connected the sphere of Hoyd, to recognize that not just there is a Hadar in the world, but God has given nature an inner light, an inner glow, and that is Hashem's miraculous hand in all natural processes. Hence, the name of this book is The Light, so to try to bring out a little bit of the oirois and the light of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, but especially the splendor. The splendor in recognizing Hashem in the hidden miracles that He does for us, and also to recognize the beauty, the light, and the splendor of the Torah HaKadosha. So I just want to share with you a few um, nuggets of insight that are discussed in the Sefer, in the first chapter, which is talking about gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, which is based on a beautiful piece of Rabbi Tzalel Jolti and also the writings of Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach. Rabbi Tzalel Jolti has a few amazing diyukim. You know, the Gemara says that Hanukkah was enacted. Um, what are my Hanukkah? They, they didn't have enough oil and they enacted eight days. The Halel of Halel, which Rashi says is saying Halel, and Hoida. Now Rashi says Hoida is saying Al but what's amazing is the Rambam, when he codifies what we have to do on Hanukkah, the Rambam does not mention we need to say Al Hanisim on Hanukkah. Why? Why doesn't the Rambam talk about Al Hanisim on Well, the Rambam talks about it in Hilchos Tefillah, that when you daven on Hanukkah, you should say Al Hanisim. But the way Rashi learns Haida, Haida is the backbone of Hanukkah. According to Rashi, Halal is the recitation of Halal and Haida is the recitation of Al-Hanisim. And the Rambam doesn't even say anything about Al-Hanisim in Hilchais Hanukkah. Even more amazing, as, asks Rabbi Tzalem Jolti, is the Gemara forgot to mention the main mitzvah of Hanukkah, lighting the menorah on Hanukkah. You ever hear about that mitzvah? You ever hear about uh, You may have heard that on Hanukkah, we Jews, we light the menorah. You ever hear about that? Well, it's not in the Gemara. Why in the world did the Gemara omit Lighting the menorah. Furthermore, if you look in the Rambam, the Rambam writes that on Hanukkah we light the menorah, and he does not say on Hanukkah we give gratitude to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara talks about giving hayda. The Gemara doesn't mention lighting the menorah. The Rambam writes about writing, lighting the menorah. The Rambam doesn't say you have to thank Hashem. Says Rabbi Tzalo Jolti. He quotes Chidushe Riaz, one of the Rishonim. The Riaz says the following Lashain when he's Ma'atik, the words of the Gemara. When the Riaz says over the words of the Gemara, he says, Umoidim la Kadash Baruchu We thank HaKadosh Baruchu by lighting the candles. You hear what the Riaz is saying? The Riaz is saying the way we fulfill 
Haida on Hanukkah is by lighting the menorah. The reason why the Gemara does not mention lighting the menorah is the Gemara talks about what the purpose of lighting the menorah is. The Haida. The Rambam doesn't talk about thanking Hashem because the Rambam writes about the mitzvah with which we thank Hashem. Lighting the menorah. The Gemara talks about the objective, Haida. The Rambam talks about the act with which we do in expressing the Haida, lighting the menorah. Very interesting. All other mitzvahs are just masa mitzvahs. We shake the lulav because God said so. What are we trying to accomplish? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're f- fulfilling the word of God. The menorah is different. According to the Riaz, the purpose and the function of lighting the menorah is it's a maisa mitzvah with which we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This explains, says Rabbi Ruch Moshin, why the Rambam says that the lighting of the menorah is mitzvah chaviva hi ad is a very beloved mitzvah. Why is lighting the menorah such a beloved mitzvah? Because thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the purpose of creation. As the Ramban that we mentioned before says, there's no other tachlis in creation other than coming before the Rebbein Shalom and thanking Him and saying, You created us. The whole function of us being alive in this world is What is good in this world? To thank Hashem. That's what we're here for. That's our mission. That's our function in this world. That's what's good in this world. And therefore, the lighting of the menorah is the one mitzvah which fulfills the tachlis of Briyas Ha'olam. And therefore, it's a mitzvah chaviva hi admoid. It's so beloved because it's fulfilling our mission in this world. And therefore, Rav Shoma Zalman has an, an amazing chidosh. If someone lights the menorah on Hanukkah, and you say, Rabbi Yid, why are you lighting the menorah? And he says, oh, I'm lighting the menorah because, because uh, Hashem told me to. You're not Yotze. Because you didn't think I'm lighting the menorah to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Can you imagine? Rabbi Ruch HaMoshan says, this would answer a promise that the Gemara offers us. You know, the Gemara says, HaRagil Vaner, anybody who is in the habit of lighting the Ner Hanukkah, will have children who are Torah scholars. So now, I don't know if I would ever ask this question, or I would ever have enough guts to ask this question, but there's a Rishon, Rabbi Yitzchak Sagi Nahar, the son of the Ravid, who asks, everybody lights the Menorah, but not everybody has children who are Tamidi Chachamim. Why? But the Gemara gives us a promise that anyone who lights the Menorah We'll have children who are Tamidi Chachamim. And the answer, says Rabbi Ruch Moshin, is yes, we all light the Menorah. But do we all light the Menorah with our hearts ablaze with gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? We don't all light the Menorah that way. But if we would, we could be guaranteed and vouchsafed from the Holy Gemara that if we light the Menorah as an expression of genuine gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, now, on a side note, regarding this question of why the menorah, why the Gemara in the Gemara May Chanukah does not say there's a mitzvah to light the menorah on Chanukah, there's an amazing chiddush of Rabbi Shulam Mikutna to answer this question. Now, I have a very strong attachment to Rabbi Shulam Mikutna. My Zayda's grandfather was a Talmud of Rabbi Shulam Mikutna and helped him publish the Yeshua Ismalkai. 
And Rabbi Shulam Mikutna, I believe in the Sefer Yavin Shmua, says, you know why the Gemara doesn't say there's a mitzvah to light the menorah? Because when Hanukkah was formulated, there was no mitzvah to light the menorah. No mitzvah to light the menorah? How could that be? There's no mitzvah to light the menorah. Says Rabbi Shulam Mikutna. Because you know what the mitzvah of lighting the menorah is? It's a replica of lighting the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. And in the times of the miracle of Hanukkah, there was a menorah on the Beis HaMikdash. So why do we need a zikaron and remembrance to how they lit the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash? They lit the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. The menorah was standing. It was only after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, they were later masaki in the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. Now this gives us an amazing insight into what we are doing by lighting the menorah. Our menorah is literally a replica. Our menorah is taking the place of the menorah in the base of English. In fact, the Ran writes that the reason why you're not allowed to get Hana from the light of the menorah is because you're Moyo Behektish! You're menorah in your house! Literally, is a replica of the menorah in the base of English. So now we have to be very careful how we treat our menorah, and how we value our homes. You know, I wasn't going to mention this, but now that we're at it, you know, the, there's a, a stira in the Mechaber. The Mechaber says that by Megillah, a katan shiigil, a chenuch could be moitzi, a gadol in Megillah. And yet, uh, cannot be moitzi, a gadol in reading the Megillah. And yet the Mechaber says that a katan shiigil, a chenuch could light the menorah for his father. It's a stira. This is a stira of Shal Sitchubas Chacham Tzvi. Why does the Mechaber Paskin by Megillah, a Chacham Shehigiyah Lechinuch cannot read the Megillah for a Gadol? And by Menorah, a Katan Shehigiyah Lechinuch could light the Menorah for a Gadol. Says the Chacham Tzvi, says Rav Shmuel Razovsky, an amazing Chiddush, and we write about it in the Sefer, that the Mitzvah of Menorah was different from all other Mitzvahs. The Mitzvah is not on the individual, the Mitzvah is on the house. The Mitzvah is on the bias. The Mitzvah is on the house. The mitzvah of the, of the Megillah is on every individual. So if you're a katan, you can't be me. But the mitzvah of the menorah, the mitzvah devolves is chalan, the bias. The bias has to have a menorah. From the mitzvah of menorah, we see the sanctity of the Jewish home. You're bringing into your home something which is actually a relic, a, a model of the actual menorah in the base Hamikdash. You can't use it because you're being mayo behaktish. And therefore, even a katan shegiel lechinuch could light the menorah as long as the house has a menorah. You know why Chazal formulated the mitzvah of menorah that it devolves on the bias and not on the individual? I once heard from a great rav in England, Rav Isaac Bernstein, that he, who, who said that he saw an article from one of the Rosh Hashivas in Kol Torah, that if you look in the writings of the Rambam, one of the Gezerois of the Yavanim was they decreed that the doors have to be removed from every Jewish home in the times of Hanukkah. Because they realized that without a door, a home has no modesty, has no dignity. The Yavanim were out to defile the sanctity of the Jewish home and therefore the purpose of the Menorah is to restore the sanctity of a bias of a Jew. And therefore, as we prepare for Hanukkah, let's look at our homes Let's make sure that the home is a resting place for the Shekhinah. Let's make sure that the husband and the wife, we speak to each other with the utmost respect because a Isha represents the Shekhinah and the way we treat her is how we treat the Shekhinah. And if we are mechabed our wives, then the Shekhinah comes to our home. And if we ensure that our homes are tahar, 
tahar from allowing in outside influence, then when we light the menorah, we bring the hashras uh, hashkina into our homes. I want to share with you another point that we discussed in the Sefer. The famous kasha of the Pnei Yeshua. What we need the miracle in the first place? We could have used Tamei oil. Everybody knows. This is probably the second most famous question on Hanukkah. Namely, that Tomohot Shabbat If the majority of the Jewish people are Tamei, we could use impure oil. Why did we need to use pure oil? And the famous answer is, this is the answer of Rabbi Yosef Engel. The beginning is different. When you do something for the first time, it has to be perfect. And the Jews were inaugurating the Beis HaMikdash. This was the Chanukah, the inauguration of the Temple. When you inaugurate something, when you begin something, it has to always be perfect. Kandosh V'tahar. And we develop a very important idea, and I like, um, if you have the opportunity, to look in the Sefer, of how we start off our day. Because the same way the beginning of the Beis HaMikdash has to be pure, the beginning of... Our day has to be completely pure. The Shla writes, the first thing we think about should be HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The moment you wake up, don't think, oh, I have a taina on him and I'm angry at this person and I have to get back. The first thing that comes into your mind, I'm alive. Nature itself is a miracle. I woke up again. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The first words we say should be gratitude. Moide'ani. I saw in the Piskei Tshuvais, the first thing we look at should be the mezuzah. The first thing we, should, we look at should be Adavar Kadash, because the way something begins sets the tone for its whole future. Uh, I heard from Rav Pinchas Friedman, the Reish Koylem of Bells, the author of Shvile Pinchas. Don't start off your day by looking at your phone, message, email, WhatsApp. No, grab the opportunity to start the day only Bikidusha. Save your phone till after davening. What a beautiful Kabbalah. Don't look at your messages. Don't look at your phone until after the tefillah. And he said, if you accept that upon yourself, you are vouchsafed that on that phone, you're going to see Besurais Taivais. You're going to see good tidings. You're going to see good things. Don't even bring it to shul. Baruch Hashem, the pandemic is coming to an end. We hope, we hope. And we have to be very vigilant to make sure that all the Kabbalos that we made, especially regarding Kedusha Space Aknesses, we adhere to and we stick to, and included in that is, we leave the phone outside. So this is a very relevant concept that Hanukkah teaches us. Now, I want to te- uh, share with you something that didn't quite make it to the Sefer. Part of it did, and part of it is too sensitive for the Sefer, but I want to share with you personally. No Gemara anywhere talks about the story of Hanukkah at length. There's no Masechta about Hanukkah. You have a few lines in Masechta Shabbos. It almost seems like this is something we're trying to cover up. We know there's Purim's uh, one day, we have a whole Masechta 30 blot. Hanukkah should be 240 blot. No, two and a half blot. In the Al-Hanisim, we say, Rabbim biyad ma'atim, Tmeim biyad tahoyrim, Rasham biyad tzadikim. How about... Goyim biyad Yisraelim. Just say it straight. God delivered the Gentiles to the Jews. And the answer of Soloveitchik says, in a very amazing essay, is that Hanukkah is not a celebration of Jews over Gentile. Hanukkah is a celebration of Jew over Jew. Yid over Misyavena. A 
dedicated Jew over a Hellenized Jew. And this is something that's so painful to us, we cannot say it. We can't talk about it. It's not an Alanisim. It's not in the Gemara. It's too painful to talk about it. But you have to know about it. You have to know Hanukkah is the filtering out of the dedicated over, not over the Goyim, over Jews who are slowly being washed away. Hanukkah is celebrating the Pach Shemen, which the Sefer of Levim, the Raisharov, writes. You know what the Gemara means? That there was one flask of oil? It's a mashal. There was one little segment of Jews who were dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, dedicated to Torah, dedicated to Mitzvahs, dedicated to Kedushas Beis HaKnesses. And that small group of Jews, nobody would have ever thought that Klai Yisrael would be able to regenerate from that small group of Jews. But it lasted eight days, meaning that small dedicated group of Jews was able to develop and spread Torah to all of Klai Yisrael. This is the miracle of Hanukkah, that a small group of dedicated Jews could continue on the Torah. Now it's very interesting. Hanukkah is lenitainly kosev. There's no Megillah for Hanukkah, and I once heard from Rabbi Victor Miller and this was really too sensitive to write about, that the reason why Hanukkah was not ever incorporated into Tanakh is because the Noitzrim have a big problem. God spoke to Malachi, the last prophet, and then hundreds of years later, they spoke according to the Noitzrim. They claim God spoke to their prophet. Hey, why hasn't God been speaking to people for hundreds of years in the interim? So what the Noitzrim do is, they stuff Hanukkah, they canonize Hanukkah, and they make Hanukkah, the book of the Maccabees, and they make it part of Tanakh to bridge the gap between the end of prophecy and Malachi. However, the Svarim teach us, Hanukkah and Purim are what is called two friends. They're the two pillars of the Torah. They are called Tamchen Da'iraisa. You know why they're the pillars of the Torah, says Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zunnenfeld? Because we have a Moira Dikakasha. Purim has a Megillah. Why doesn't Hanukkah have a Megillah? Oh, you know why Hanukkah doesn't have a Megillah? Because prophecy stopped! But the Noites from saying God spoke to their... That's nonsense! God didn't speak to people anymore! Only Purim has a Megillah! Hanukkah doesn't have a Megillah! So Hanukkah and Megillah, the Zayar says, support the Torah. You know why? Purim has a Megillah. Hanukkah doesn't have a Megillah. Why? Why not? Because... When the temple stood in between Bayashvish and Bayashini, God was still speaking to Nabiim. Bayashini, God stopped. So that means God never spoke to any false prophets, Chas Vashalom, according to the other religions. So Hanukkah and Purim are considered two friends that are Tamchen Da'iraisa, that literally support the whole Torah. Marvra Boisai, these are just a few short and brief ideas from the Sefer, the Light and the Splendor. And, um, I would be so honored and very grateful if you're able to get the Sefer. You could go to Art Scroll website and uh, order it. It's 20% off. Or you could go to Torah anytime. Go to Speakers. Go to Gladstein. You click on the Light and the Legacy on the bio page. And uh, the Sefer is available. You'll have it in no time. I want to take this opportunity to thank Chazak for hosting tonight's Shir. And you should be aware of the amazing work that Chazak does. Yaniv and Ravilan. And uh, thank you, Robbie, for the opportunity. And uh, aside from everything they do, most importantly, they bring so many kids to yeshiva out of uh, public school. And of course, 
thank you so much to my dear friend, Reb Rabbi Newman, and Chickens for Shabbos, which is literally, has this chus, just to feed Jews who need support, who need encouragement, and who need food. So whatever you could do to support this worthy organization, if you feed the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there is no question, it will be Neskayim Becha, Thank you so much for the opportunity. Wishing everyone bracha v'hatzlacha and a wonderful evening.